Hello and welcome back one and all to the TL Lancaster podcast. This is episode two of the Ambling Tale of Bob, the story of a man transported to a fantasy land. In this episode, we will find out what Bob gets up to after leaving the farm. Once again, I rate this series as PG-13 for violence and some swearing. With that out of the way, I hope you enjoy. Spent the night in the woods, sitting with my knees tucked under my chin on a cushion of forest debris. I felt bark through my shirt, my back against the trunk of a tree. It was dark when I finally stopped running, something I didn't notice until after my foot found a root and I fell. The night was cold. I'm not sure if it was colder than normal or if I'm simply not used to sleeping outside. I simply know that I woke up shivering more than once. Once I got up and stretched out the army of kinks and cramps, I made my way west by following the direction of the morning shadows. I did my best to enjoy the woods. Normally I find a walk through nature clears the mind and brightens the mood. However, given the nature of this hike, it didn't work that way. If anything, it darkened my thoughts. Sometime around noon, I came to a road. I briefly thought taking the road might be dangerous. The things from the farm might be patrolling. In the end, I figured that, such as I had no idea what I would find if I simply kept walking through the woods, that not following the road was far more dangerous. After all, the woods could go on forever, but roads must lead somewhere. Calling it a road was a bit of a stretch. It was closer to a wide, well-worn forest trail. The presence of long, deep wheel ruts, meaning it was at least some kind of thoroughfare, tipped it towards the word road, in my opinion. I hadn't even considered if I should have gone north or south as the road went. I simply turned left and started walking. I briefly wondered why I'd chosen that way, rather than right. But given my lack of information, left was as good as right, so on I went. Once I found myself in good lighting, I took a moment to examine myself. I was still in my work clothes, which seemed odd. A part of me thought that the voice would have changed me into some fantasy costume, but I was glad it hadn't. It meant I had my well-worn hiking-slash-work boots. Steel toes and good tread made me feel like I could survive anything. I had a feeling that my jeans and short sleeve buttoned up with Gunny's AC on the back might bring some issues, though. Next, my mind wandered to the axe. It was absurdly large. Larger than would be effectively usable in any actual fight. Or it should have been. The head was huge, but light. It felt more like aluminum than steel. The handle was odd, too. It wasn't driven through the eye of the head. Rather, it looked like the handle had grown around the head, forming a large knot. I suspect that even if the axe head wasn't on the end, being hit with that knot would have been a deadly weapon all its own. Because I had an axe, and a lot of trees around, I decided to give it a good test chop. I chose a young-looking holly tree, squared up, and gave a half-hearted baseball swing. The axe went clean through. Six inches of hardwood chopped in half with a swing I didn't even put my back into. I looked around for people and figured, what the heck, moved on to a bigger tree. This one an oak close to two feet in diameter. I squared up again and swung with all my might. Chop. Crash. Another tree bit the dust. I also screamed like a child as I ran away from the falling tree. I decided I really didn't want to hit anybody with this thing. I turned the axe around to a sizable pole. That's the dull back end for you non-axe nerds. I lifted the axe to hit with the pole and chopped down into the fallen oak. 
When it hit, the whole log drove into the ground and the dull axe had buried itself two inches. Something about seeing this made me realize my feet hurt. So I took a seat on the fallen tree to think. There was something off about the axe, and I didn't trust it until I'd figured out what it was. And that's when my eye turned to the first tree. Some axe whittling later, and I had a walking stick with a large ball section at the end. Between the axe and the sword, I took off the man who was supposed to be my father. I didn't need another weapon, but I needed time to think, and to clear my head. It wasn't what I would have called finished. It desperately needed sanding, but it would be usable. At least until I got my hands on some sandpaper. So it was another night with my back against a tree trunk, and I was headed north, I think. When I take long walks, my mind tends to wander to odd things. So I was deep into the pondering the meaning of life when I ran into an old man. Hail! He waved me down. Um, hail, I answered back. You look like a strapping young man. Mind giving an elder a hand for a while? Well, I suppose my answer depends on what you need help with. I said as respectfully as possible. I saw his lips twitching in disapproval, but he said nothing about it. Oh, I just packed more than these old bones can carry. Not one I once was, it seems. He motioned to a few things, mostly to a large bag on a strap and a bundle wrapped in old rags. Sure, I said, slinging the bag over my shoulder. I reached down for the bundle, and he practically slapped my hand away. <clears throat> oh, I, I can carry that one, he forced a laugh. Not so old or lost so much pride as to make you carry everything. I simply nodded and adjusted the strap of his pack on my shoulder. It was one less thing to carry, after all. Which way? Oh, same way as you were headed, he motioned in the direction I was going. To Lorville. And with that, we started walking. I found that I had to check my paces to not leave him in the dust. The man was clearly ancient. I would have placed him in his 80s or 90s by his face and hands. Still, his back was straight and his legs seemed strong. On your way to the tourney? he asked. I answered him with a, hmm? The Duke's tourney. Given your answer, I suppose you aren't. No, just chose a direction and started heading this way. Oh, to seek your fortune? I paused to think of how to answer him. I figured the truth was the best answer. My family's farm was attacked. I was the only one who survived. Oh, so that's horrible. What happened? Monsters came from the woods. Dad and I fought them off, but he didn't survive. Didn't know what to do, so I started walking. He nodded. Same thing happened to me when I was young. They say the Dark Lord is on his way back. He said this not like somebody who was afraid for himself, but like it was some form of personal failing. That's what one of them said. One of the beasts, I mean. One of them spoke? Not many can speak. What did it say? I decided against telling him that I was hunted by the forces of darkness. We didn't exactly have a conversation. It said something about the Dark Lord, and I just stuck it with a pitchfork. Soon after, we switched to lighter matters. He talked about his youth, traveling the countryside, and forming a short-lived mercenary band. He claimed to be somewhat of a local hero, and was surprised I had never heard of him. Sir Akihenda, the sword. Never heard of me. Maybe a little? I said, giving him something. Oh well, 
Suppose my pride needed a little bit more of a catch today. My blade's going to be the grand prize for the sword competition. It's a bit of a big deal. Well, I don't plan on taking part in that competition. In my periphery, I saw him eyeing me up and down. Mighty well-armed if you aren't. Well, as I said, this is what I was able to run away with. Dad's sword, Grandpa's axe, and uh, I made a walking stick yesterday. Why, if you had the other two? Woodworking helps me think, I said half-truthfully. The other half I hadn't really thought about until that morning. Something felt like using the sword was not an option. I knew I had it, but despite my conscious preference for the sword, I could only imagine myself fighting with an axe or a club. We went back and forth for a few hours, him asking questions and I trying to think of how to answer them without revealing that I'm not from here, until we reached Lorville. Well, I said to the old man as I placed his things on the ground, leaning them against a nearby wall. This is Lorville, huh? Yeah. Star of the Duchy, the big city. Lorville was tiny. I grew up in the fourth largest city in the United States and moved to the second six or seven years ago. I know big cities. Lorville was minuscule. I could see Lorville's north gate standing at the south gate. And yet, it was still immensely impressive, for the fact that I had always wanted to see an Iron Age town into action. Runefairs just... aren't the same. Lorville was densely built. Not surprising when you think that everything has to be in walking distance. A significant number of the buildings were three stories tall, made with the second and third stories wider than the base floor, creating a slight overhang. But what really drew the attention of most was outside the city walls. Banners and tents formed their own town outside Lorville. Music played to the rhythm of hammers driving stakes into the ground and laughter as people played games. Smoke rose from cook fires, carrying the scent of roast meats and stews. I think we will part here, he said, picking up his things with great effort. It truly was spry for his age. That is, unless you wish for my company a little longer. I chewed on that for a moment. There was always a part of me that likes taking every opportunity I can to be alone, but I knew that was not advisable in my situation. I had a connection with one person in this world, and it was hard enough to make friends. I smiled and shrugged. If you'll have me? Good lad, he said with a wheezing chuckle. I pointed to the large bag he had. You want me to take that back from you now? Nah, got my pride to think about. First thing we need to do is find someone to show us to the Castellan. I'm a guest of honor, after all. I smiled and followed quietly. He pointed to a young man in colorful attire and I flagged him down. Excuse me. I said, walking up. The young man, I'd say about 15 or 16, turned to face me with a look of resigned annoyance. Excuse me, sir? Sir, you think very highly of me. I was asked to catch you. My traveling companion says he needs to meet up with the Castellan? And why would he want to... The young man looked around me to Akihanda, who was unwrapping the bundle. Inside was a sword with plain wooden hilt and what looked to be brass or bronze fittings. Sir Hinda! Yes, lad. Now where's your lord? Right this way. The young man motioned for us to follow. I waited for Aki to catch up. Lad, he started talking as we walked. I need to talk to you. You've been dodging questions all day, and I think I need a straight answer to some of them. I took a long breath and nodded. What do you want to know? Your grandfather was Lou the Axe, wasn't he? I answered only as I could. I didn't know him by that name. 
I didn't know him at all, really. Then you inherited that from your mother, correct? Her name was some kind of wheat. Immer, yes. Then that axe is the sibling of my sword. You must remain close. There is much to discuss. If you don't mind, I would like you to be my assistant during all this. And if you are thinking about joining the sword competition, I will ask you not to. In fact, you should likely sell that, he said, pointing to the sword I had taken from my father before leaving the farm. I had long wanted a sword of my own. There's a whole story to it, but that's not important. Just know that I really wanted a sword. We'll have to talk about the sword later. As for the other thing, I would be glad to. Good, then you will be my ward for while we're here. And you will be accompanying me wherever I go. Now, take these bags back. Yes, sir, I said as I took the bags back from him, rolling my eyes at how suddenly I could carry his bags for him. And you might as well take the staff. I'm not that old, he objected. Think of it as a large bludgeoning weapon. Then I really can't take it, he said, pushing it off as if touching it burnt. He glanced at the axe. Do you know how to use that? A little? I'm better with a sword. No, if the axe has chosen you, the sword certainly will not. I don't know what that means. I'll explain once all this is over and I have time. But to be brief, this is one of the primal weapons. They have minds of their own and criteria for who can wield them. My sword is the same, but with different needs. My plan is to bequeath the blade to the winner of the sword competition. I smiled and chuckled. What if the winner's a dick? Then it will reject them. Your grandfather should have told you all this. He's been dead for years. Mom has too. I don't know if Dad knew much, if anything, about all this. He must have known something. I can't imagine Lou trusting a man with the axe without explaining something at least. That doesn't matter now. You need to learn to how to fight with an axe. I can only teach you the sword. Then how do I learn? He shrugged. Experience is the best teacher. Join the melee. Something in those words sent a shiver up and down my spine, and I felt the axe tingle. What the hell? I'll get my, my behind kicked. Why can't I just stand in the crowd and watch? Best way I find to train quickly is to get one's nethers handed to them. Go and fight in the melee. Watch the other fighters. Learn. Just jump in the deep end, then, huh? Not sure what that means, but sure. Jump in the deep end. It means to get in over your head. He paused for a moment. Yeah, that's about right, he continued. You need to learn to fight quick. You should have learned years ago, but we can't worry about that. And what if I say no? He smiled and chuckled. I challenge you to win the melee. I felt a tingle in my chest and from the axe. It felt like my chest was on fire. What the? What's happening? The wielder of the axe can't turn down a challenge. If you do, it causes physical pain and discomfort. Thought I'd teach you that now, too, before it gets you into trouble not knowing what's going on. Why you? I'm a genius, I know. Now, I suppose you will need to run off and sign up now. That's the only way for the pains to subside. I'll take my bags, then. When you're done, you'll be able to find me in the biggest tent you can see. In a huff, I did as he told and handed over his things. He smiled a grin with missing teeth as he waved me off and continued on his way to meet with the Castellan. 
I turned to find how to sign up, and I felt the pain subdue. When I even thought about not going, the axe began to buzz with an angry energy. I asked around for a while to find out where the sign-up was. Eventually, I met up with some fine, friendly men who I'm about 80% sure would have robbed me if I had met them on the road. They led me over to the sign-up booth. One of them was named Markle, and he carried a club that was just the trunk of a small tree. He and I were going to be in different bouts of the melee, so I could borrow his padded gambus and a helmet. Given he was the only person I saw who was even remotely close to my size, Markle was a godsend. As I stood in front of the sign-up table, I read the rules. A solid strike was one point. Throwing an enemy outside the peel, which I assumed was the ring, was two points. Downing an enemy or bringing him to kneel is three points. No blows to the head or the groin, which would cost you a point. A blade must be dull enough to run a finger over, and blunt weapons must be wrapped in no less than two inches of padding. Striking a down or kneeling enemy will cost you three points. It all seemed pretty straightforward to me. I suppose that there were judges or referees keeping track of the points. Otherwise, you probably were just trusted to keep track yourself, which I wouldn't trust anybody to do. At a call of next, I walked up to the booth. Weapon? Bald staff, I reported. And that axe? No, you really don't want me to use that. The clerk raised his gaze to me like I was being an arrogant prick. I'm not very good with it, you see. It would be a massacre. I said this like they were correlated, but in my mind, of course, they were completely disconnected. All right, knobbed peasant staff, the clerk said as he wrote. To the left, get your weapon checked and wrapped in padding. I nodded and went to the next thing. Bing, bam, boom, and an hour later, I was standing in a fenced-off field with 50 other guys. I took a moment to see how common a peasant staff was. It was second only to the combination of a shield and a club, normally in the form of what looked like a thick t-ball bat. Ready! Called a man I assumed to be the duke, due to his tall shaded stage. A horn blasted. There was a clamor of weapons banging on shields and stomping on the ground. Then there were two horn blasts and the fight was on. Some contestants ran straight from their starting places to me. I was barely able to whimper, why me? Before I was surrounded by six guys. I took my staff in both hands and tried to keep them off, but it was of little use. First thing I learned about fighting with a weapon, sometimes the weapon you have is a liability. It seems like every single one of them came to the same idea that I was someone not to be let at range, which was not a bad idea. The weapon I had was basically a long ball club, more like a polearm. I tried to jab at them with the ball end, but I was getting mauled. So I dropped it and formed a cage around my face and arms. These guys were small but strong. It was going badly, and I started hoping that this would all be over quickly. But a part of me said, screw that, took control of my right arm and grabbed a guy. Soon I had a nice little body shield. Then I took my human shield and started using him to bulldoze my way through, much to his consternation, I assure you. I did this by doing short lunging tackles with him between me and whoever was in front of me. Eventually, I was out of the throng. I let the poor man go, who quickly fell to the ground limp and curled into a ball. I looked around for his weapon, but it seems that my shield had lost his weapon in my use of him. I was hurting all over. I must have been hit a few dozen times and each one had been dead on. I had no footwork to speak of, and the only swings that missed me were those interrupted by someone else. They were all over me again, but I had an idea now. I had no weapon, but I was still a big man. 
Back home, I'm maybe a little on the tall side of average, but here I was a giant. And the guy I had just literally manhandled was not small. Another thing you need to know about me is that I have older brothers. We wrestled all the times, and I got good at grappling people bigger than me. And when you're used to wrestling those bigger than you, smaller people are pretty easy. Sure, you get the squirmy people who snake around, but I doubted any of these people were like that. And throwing people out of the ring was two points. Making them hit the ground was three. So, roughly 15 points later, I leaned down to pick my staff back up and decided to steal another guy's club instead. I had learned that I was not great with pole arms right now, but I could swing a bat. The next few minutes were a blur of pain as I bodied blows and dished out my own. Then I heard two short horn blasts followed by a long one. With that signal, everybody stopped and returned to their starting positions. I felt like fresh microwaved hell. Both upper and lower lips were split. I had blood dripping down my face from a number of places, and breathing hurt from burning lungs and bruised ribs. I walked over to the corner I came from, and my legs gave out from under me. What was that? I heard a voice say over me. I looked over to see Sir Hinda on the other side of the fence. I wasn't sure if it was a good exclamation or bad. I didn't care or waste precious air on answering. What did you learn? Don't get swarmed, <clears throat> I said as blood poured from my mouth. Good lesson. How do you do that? Move around. Talking hurt. Yes, and don't just freaking stand there and get wailed on. But my god, that was a heck of a comeback. How did you learn to do that? What? The thing with the guy. I looked at him with burning and swelling eyes. The thing with hitting people with someone else. I laughed. It hurt. Okay, break's over. You have two more rounds. What? I thought I was done. Nope. Three heats. All I could think to do was stand and blink at him. This was going to suck. I don't remember a lot about the second heat, besides I hit people and people hit me. By the end of it, my body was a solid pink darkening to blue. The next day, I was able to count my ribs based off of the lines in my bruises. I will tell the things I do remember of it. Ow. Ow, ow. Yikes pain. Ow. Clang! Yay, I hit someone! After the second heat, I was leaning against the fence, called the peel, when a page came up to me. My lord, you have been selected for elimination. What? I asked. He means you don't have to fight anymore. Thank God. You were close to being eliminated last time, but given your comeback and the fact you didn't hit the ground even while being swarmed kept you in, but with a number of points going on you this time, it was thought to be mercy. It was. <clears throat> I said and tried to duck through the peel, but I found my body objected to that extensively. Eventually, a few of the other competitors carried me away, and I watched from the sidelines. From there, I learned far more than from when I was trying not to die. Most of all, I noticed that many of the two-handed axe users were wielding their weapons like quarterstaves, keeping the hands about a foot apart, jabbing with the ends of the handle and the like. There was also a lot less swinging it like it was a baseball bat and sliding the hands down to meet. It made sense when I thought about it. A two-handed axe was a polearm after all, a staff with a, a heavy end. Not everything was the axe head. 
In watching, I hadn't noticed Hinda leave. I turned to the person next to me. Where did the old man go? Sir Hinda went to judge the sword competition. He told me not to break your concentration. I moved to stand, but the majority of my joints had locked up, and what did move hurt with every muscle fiber. With a groan, I settled back into my seat, watching the show, and did what I could to make mental notes of moves and strikes. As I sat, I realized I had learned something from this ordeal. I sucked. I didn't know how to swing. I couldn't move worth a damn. Every swing that went for me landed, and if anyone in the melee meant for those blows to be lethal, they would have been. I was slow, and I needed to fix that. Because if I didn't, this would be a very short adventure. Well, thank you for listening to the second episode of The Ambling Tale of Bob. I'm sorry for taking so long to get this out. I've had one thing after another, really. I'm still working the kinks out on how to get this thing I've set out to do done. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please like and subscribe to the podcast so you will be notified about the next episode. Follow me on Facebook page to keep track of what I'm up to and read my apologies for not getting things out on time, according to the deadlines I set for myself. I hope you have a good day, be blessed, and goodbye.